All right, college basketball fans, good to be back with you once again. Episode 57 of Mad About Hoops. We keep getting thicker, not thicker, deeper, <laughs> deeper and thicker into this college basketball season. Oh, well, it is two good things. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you're I, I thought I saw recently we're we're under 50 days until Selection Sunday. And I mean, the tournament was just under two months from, I believe, last Thursday. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're so close. We just jump right into it and we go. I'm Timmy Hall. He's Evil Bald Colin. What do we have in store for the fine folks today? Yeah, so I feel like we're getting a theme here. You're doing kind of like favorite throwback things and I'm diving it analytically and sometimes not even more so just looking at the basics of different teams or conferences or groups of teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, me personally, I'm going to start a little series here where we've talked about the little guys, the mid-majors. I'm going to start diving into the big conferences. What have you been missing out? What's different about these conferences this year? I've got the ACC on tap. So we're doing a deeper dive into the ACC. For this year, yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised if you haven't paid close attention just how different this year is from the previous seasons. Yeah, it's, look, ACC basketball, how do I put this? Well, whatever way you think it's of it. It's just not <laughs> as great as I expect it to be. And it it's, really it's isn't. even lower this year than previous seasons. Yeah, so, I mean, trust me, it's, it hasn't gotten any better. When you're missing teams like, you know, there was a there was a time when Pitt, even when they came over from the Big East, you could expect something out of them. They were very good. It's been a long very time. Bad. It's been a long time very since bad. that happened. NC State just really gives you nothing, right? There was a time where they could pop up there and make a Sweet 16 run. Which is really weird. They have three guys that average over 14 points a game, but they just can't beat anybody. Syracuse is supposed to be a proud program, right? That's that's a brand. That's a name. That matters on the college basketball block. They just don't seem to be doing anything right now. Well, they got three Bayheims in their program. Yeah, they got the Bayheims. They got a couple of other guys that can score. But honestly, the zone's just not working this year. All right, I can't wait to talk about the ACC. We have to get your five minutes of blowing off steam or just noticing good things. It could sure. be a little bit of both sure. with a Buckeye basketball breakdown because you need a platform to talk about the Bucks. I get to do it all the time with uh, the normal show. And uh, like you said, one of the things that I want to bring to the table today that we'll talk about later on in the pod, and we will have some wonderful, wonderful classic press conference clips. If you can't sit back and go into a little YouTube wormhole or just want to dial up old classic sports footage, right? Or in this case, press conference clips. I think I've got a good collection of someone who's very famous, maybe someone that you might remember giving giving you some of the best content ever when he was at the podium. And then I've got some feel-good stuff and also some from the funny variety of how you can sort of clap back at a reporter who is being a little bit rude with the way that he's asking a question. So I think I've got a good gambit of clips that I brought to the table here. Sit right back, relax, enjoy some college basketball conversation as we take you on a little ride that's called Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! Just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Set it in, Jerome! Oh! Ha ha! College basketball. This 
is March Madness. Yes, it is. We're talking college basketball every single time we get to do this podcast. Wow, that was really smart to say. It's a college basketball podcast. What the hell else are you going to be talking about? Well, I mean, sometimes you're just kind of speculating, doing some fun segment, segments during the season. But actually, we can talk about physical teams and what they're doing and how the season's going. All right, so we'll jump right into some ACC talk, I right? I thought you'd never ask. Hey, yes. f- first of all, where are we currently with the perception of the ACC? How good is it? How do we perceive it? I think it's still up there. If you're thinking about the top three conferences, I think you have to say, well, at least I would say the Big 12, ACC, and Big 10 on most years is. I think you could make the argument that the SEC is better than the ACC this year, so you would bump them down a tier. But honestly, I think year in and year out, the perception is there, but I don't know if it's necessarily deserved this season. It's still got that prestige, right? Yeah. It's the ACC. Nobody can ever take that away. Anytime that you've got programs like Duke and North Carolina, people are going to stop and take notice of you. I do want to just play a little activity. What, in your opinion, when you think of the ACC, year in and year out, what are you expecting in terms of the field of 68? How many teams are making it? I'm expecting 8 to 10 on a yearly basis from that conference. Which is, realistically, you're going to get maybe half of that if you're lucky. And that's unbelievable. You're really telling me, that the ACC is going to take four, maybe five? Uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yes, the bracketologists all have between four and five right now. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and teams, it, honestly, I don't even know if you could guess half of them in those scenarios. You would be looking at Duke, clearly. They're Duke, yes. They're one of the highest ranked teams in college basketball. The guys that just beat Duke, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton's crew, they're always very good. Yes. 11 and 5, 5 and 2 in the conference. Miami, they're the number one team in the ACC, so it's going to be them. And yeah, North Carolina, I know we're going to have some more thoughts on North Carolina and what they've been doing and how they've been blown out in some of these games in ugly fashion, as in losing to Miami by 30 points. Here's the thing Florida State, and I'll, uh, this is a little tease for later on, but the two bracketologists I always talk about, Mike DeCourcy and Joe Lunardi, before mm-hmm. last night, so I think they set theirs either Tuesday in the morning or Monday evening. They did not have Florida State in either. Wow. They were 10 and 5. They were not in. Well, now they are. They, I would assume, uh, I think Lenardi's updating either tomorrow, which would be Thursday, or the Friday edition. And, you know, to their to their point, they haven't beaten anybody until they just no, beat Duke. They've lost really ma- so, their main games. Yeah, I can understand how, even with this Duke win that gets them bubbly or gets them just on the positive side of things. Tell me, because I clearly haven't studied the resumes enough of, of all of the ACC programs. Who would be those those other teams getting the consideration right yeah, now? Yeah, so we'll break it down. So the early in the week breakdowns for the bracketology. Of course, he has five teams from the ACC making it. He had Duke as a one seed, although I'm going to guess he's going to move them down to maybe a two after that game last night uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, UNC comes in as a nine in his projection. Notre Dame was an 11 seed in his, which was a little bit out of the okay, blue. It okay, the Irish. Yes. Uh, he's got Miami's a nine, which is just completely funny after I kind of run down some of the teams at the top of the standings later and how in the world are they a nine seed, but I can explain that. The Irish have a bunch of losses when yes. you look at that, but they did. I remember they beat Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, they did beat Kentucky, but they didn't win in that Indiana Crossroads game, did they? No, they did not. Didn't they have Purdue? They No, Purdue played Butler. They Purdue lo- played, they lost, okay. They lost to Indiana. So they lost to Indiana, yeah. 
And then uh, sixty four fifty six. Yeah, they lost the, the course he actually has his final team, the fifth team, as Wake Forest or one of the twelve seed play in teams. Wow. Yeah. All they had to do is fire Danny Manning. <laughs> and have you seen, by the way, How not Maryland's to not doing. to sidetrack off of ACC talk, but they used to be in the ACC, <laughs> and they're they're one of the proudest programs that they had. Yeah, they're just terrible. Our poor Fats Russell, man. We love fats there's, on this there, on this podcast. That's such a sidetrack. But there's Come so on. there's so many good, good 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 players on that team. Wahab. They're too good. Uh, Dante Scott. Yeah, they're too uh, good to be nine and nine yeah, or whatever they are. They're, they're way too talented. Just got their butts kicked too by Michigan. Michigan went in there. Not Hunter Dickinson came back. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that was impressive. But uh, yeah, no, I've got Lenardi with four teams. He's pretty much got the same grouping, but he's got Duke as a two, North Carolina as a seven, which, I mean, we'll get into North Carolina a little bit later, but they are going to fall. With the way that they're losing games, they're going to fall. Uh, Wake Forest is an 11, and then he's got Miami as a 10. So the only one different with him is he's got, uh, I believe, Notre Dame out. But like we both said, I think Florida State will work their way back in. This is a very lackluster conference. Clearly, this is a down year for the ACC. I like what you said about the SEC. I I couldn't agree more. Even when you look at the Big 12, the Big 12 is a smaller conference right now, so everyone has to take notice of that. But what you've been getting consistently out of Kansas and Baylor at the top of that conference, then you even look at some of the other teams, what West Virginia has been able to do. Very good team. In recent almost years, took very down ba- good. Almost took down Baylor and Baylor uh, Tuesday night. Absolutely. You saw how how good Oklahoma plays when, when they have their home environment. And Kansas, it took a, a late Christian Brown three in the corner to get past the Sooners. They're always a tough out. Oklahoma State, go to Henry Iba Arena. Iowa State, the Hilton Magic, they're always tough. It, that's, a, that's a good league. The Big Ten also isn't... As dominant as you no. thought it would be because of Michigan, but still, when you look at Purdue and you look at Illinois and that game that those two played too, that was that was an example. The conference discussion, I get it. It's a debate that a lot of times is never easy to have because what are you going to look at? Teams at the top. Usually, when you have a conference with a lot of teams ranked, their depth falls off. Sure. Right? And then usually what you would see if the ACC was like this some of these other teams would be okay, but that's not the case here. I mean, you get past Wake Forest, then you start getting into 10 and 7 records overall. Well, it's just Like bad. Louisville and Virginia. These teams got Yikes. destroyed in the non-conference play. Uh, if you remember back to the Big Ten ACC Challenge, I mean, the, the Big Ten, it seemed like it was kind of cake for them. It kind of got tight at the end uh, record-wise. I think it ended up like a game or two split, but the top teams of that conference in the Big Ten were just dominating the ACC. The Big Ten for their overall record yes. in the non-conference? I think the only team that yeah. really didn't do well was Michigan versus North Carolina. You think about big games, and shoot, you even, a perfect example, if you're going to you know pit conferences against each other or talk about what the ACC isn't doing, we're looking at our own team here with the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we're still, we're still kind of feeling them out and trying to get to a point where we know what they're going to be as an NCAA tournament team. They beat Duke. They beat your premier team. They beat your premier team, and it was a wild kind of game script. I get it. It was it was wacky, but for Ohio State to even have a chance to pull that off with the way that they were shooting free throws throughout that contest, that's saying something for what the Big Ten is and for what the ACC isn't. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It's And it's the standings look wacky. A team that I was telling you about uh, last week, Louisville being at the top of the bracket, they've lost three straight. They're now four and three in the conference. Nothing really... Uh, impressive about their resume to be honest with you it just it's kind of like a it's a mixture of just 
bad. Just kind of all stuck together between the teams below North Carolina that's in the top five of the conference all the way to the bottom. They're really interchangeable. Who are the players that you really look to? I mean, we look at Duke, I know, but yeah. I know our, our, and Armando Baycott for UNC had that monstrous game where he almost had 30 and 20. What was it, like a 29 and 21 game he had with the re- points and rebounds? Yeah, Baycott's, against Virginia. Baycott's very good. Uh, I, I believe he got hurt in that Miami game on Tuesday night with a back injury, so keep an eye on that. I don't know if he's going to be playing uh, this weekend coming up, but in terms of Duke, you know, Ben Carroll, Trevor Keels, who got hurt in that game against Florida State. Keep an eye on that. Uh, Wendell Moore is a leader for them. Duke is the only team in this conference in the top 30 of the net rankings. If you can believe that. The only team in the ACC in the top 30 of the net rankings. One team in the top 30. One team. Wow. Yeah, they have, they do have four teams in the top 40. They're just kind of all sprinkled in the back of that 30 section. I think you've got like Wake Forest, uh, UNC, and then I think uh, it's not Florida State. Florida State's actually a little bit lower than that, believe it or not. But there's another team stuck in there. It might be, I want to say, I said Wake Forest, UNC. I don't know. But besides, the point of the matter is, is that you don't have a team outside of Duke in your top 30. It's going to be hard for Duke to stack those quality wins to build a resume to make a claim that they're a one seed. Wow, man. That's that's shocking to me, too. And back to, by the way, when we were discussing the Big 12 for a second, I didn't want to leave out Texas Tech. That That's actually a program oh, yeah. that's been doing things for a while. And their coach left, and now you got to look at Texas. Texas is not a tournament team right now. seems to be coming back. They are not a tournament team right now. Texas just lost to Kansas State by one. they got to work their way back. Texas is not a tournament team right now. Texas is a team that with resume wise, are you kidding me? Texas with the resume is 13 and five. Texas with their resume is not a tournament team. Well, Florida state was 11, 11 and five. And they just had to beat Duke. Texas is in the top 20 in net ranking. Of course they're a tournament team. I get what you're saying. They had the loss, but yeah, they're a tournament team. I, I, I mean, resume. I don't want to, I mean, not to sidetrack no, the whole thing. I, no, I get what you're saying, the net rankings and everything, but I mean, they don't have a sexy win on their record. Like, uh, to say that they're a team that's locked into a tournament spot right now, I can't say that. I would bet if you, if you pulled up your, your boys there, either DeCourcy or the Lenard dog, they would be firmly in. Do you want I, me to do it? You can do you it, me but to do I, it? I can rattle off. They played Seton Hall. Seton Hall beat them by four. They played, they did beat Stanford, but that's not really anything I would kind of blink my eyes at. Uh, they played Texas Oklahoma. Tech is they a beat, four. They beat they, Texas is a six. All right. I'm just six. saying as of right bubbly. Now, they have got to win games that matter or else they're going to start tipping off the, the scale. All right. All right. Well, we, we hit a hot button. It's, it's all, hot button it's all speculation. Here. I'm saying as of right now, I don't see on anything on the resume that would make them a high tournament team. They're they're trending in the wrong way. I'm, the, I'm with you there. 100%. I didn't realize that they've lost three out of four with the, like you said, Oklahoma State on the road, Iowa State on the road, Kansas State at home by one point. Like, I, I don't have that the, was a rough one. To yeah. lose to the Power Cat, that was a rough one. I there. don't have a net ranking list in front of me, but I got to imagine their quad one wins have got to be really low. It's interesting what they what they are seeing there. I'm because now I'm looking at their resume as well. It's interesting how they are viewed as a six. Lost all their ranked games. They haven't beaten a ranked team. They they've got to win some of these games coming up. They got a big one in the Big Twelve uh, Big Twelve SEC Challenge coming up. They got Tennessee at home. You got to win that game. All right. Well, that too much Texas talk there. 
but fine. Texas Texas is a good team that sucks right now. Yeah, no. So get it right, Chris Beard, or you're going to be fired. Uh, speaking you of won't fi- get fired, but speaking of fired though, speaking of fired, is there anyone uh, in the ACC right now? Proud programs where you're looking at a first year coach and wondering what the heck is going on. And I know, I know, we're not we're not talking about a firing just yet, but. It doesn't take much to get North Carolina basketball I know, fans I, I upset. Do, I do know North Carolina basketball fans are a little rattled by the way they're losing games. Not necessarily the games they've lost. I mean, they've lost to respectable teams. Miami, who we'll talk about, who's first in the ACC. But you lost by 20-plus. Uh, you went and played Purdue. You didn't lose that one as bad. I think they lost by nine in that game. Uh, they've lost... I, there was another game they lost recently that they lost by almost 30 points. Like The, the, the way that they lose is really, really demoralizing. And it's a fan base that's not going to wait around. Like, if they feel like it's not on the right path, they'll make a move. Hubert Davis and the whole hire in general, I just, I, I wasn't wasn't completely feeling it. Were you? I mean, he was with Roy Williams for a long time. He came back to be an assistant coach there. He's got the, I, I feel like you don't want to force it into staying no, in the family. I, you know, I agree. you want to go out there and try to get the absolute best college basketball coach. Sometimes going outside the family is the best thing. Maybe this is a case where in two, three years down the line, we see that if it's hope for their sake, that it's not like a, uh, a Doherty type of situation oh, gosh, where yeah. they get really, really bad. And there's, they don't have any choice. Uh, I, I think the recruiting's okay. So I, I don't know if they'll get to that point, but then again, recruiting isn't always the, the uh, telltale sign of how things will go. I would say a lot of fans down there in Chapel Hill, if you gave them the option to go back and look back, would you rather take Hubert Davis or a Wes Miller, who's now with Cincinnati, who's done a really good job in his first year there? Fans were kind of on the edge back when that hire happened. I wonder how that would swing even today. It's just that, you know, Wes Miller's a guy that checks multiple boxes there because he's got that, he had the head coaching experience and he had still been in North Carolina doing great things at UNCG. And, you know, that's, that's a place where people are going to notice as smart as the basketball fans are in that state. They're going to have some appreciation for you going to a small school like that and winning a heck of a lot of basketball games and being competitive and going to the NCAA tournament. Hubert Davis didn't have the, the head coaching experience. And we're just, we seem to, we see this a lot now where you're bringing guys over because well, they're, a big, with Shire next they're year. a big name. You're yeah, seeing yeah. it with John Shire. You are. And I, I like John Shire personally. I do think that I, I just sort of have a feel. I have a feeling about John Shire that he's going to work out. But how could anyone really know that when you're following Coach K? That might be one of the, that's the toughest follow job of all time. Tougher than even what Hubert Davis is doing following in Roy Williams' footsteps. You're following in Coach K's <laughs> footsteps without any head coaching experience. Well, I mean, it does help you have the number one player in the, the class coming up, uh, locked and loaded in Derek Lively. He's a seven foot two center. Well, that always a, helps. A really key part of their future. But so. how, how long do you keep that going? And do you, do you know everything that there is to know to run a ship of that magnitude? I'm, I'm hoping Coach K gave him several opportunities to just do it. You know, you you do it here for a, a week or whatever. Whether it's practices or scrimmages or secret scrimmages, I'm sure he's done something where he felt comfortable enough that he was going to sign off on it because I, I, I knew that Duke was going to take a, a key word in what K had to say about his 
future successor. And I don't think Kay's just going to say it just because the guy he coached or who's been on his bench. Like I, I, to say you're going to choose him over somebody that might also be on the, the coaching market, whoever it would be in this upcoming cycle. I, I feel like he just had to be comfor- comfortable enough knowing what he's done with him to make that decision. So when you look at the ACC to finish out, is Duke clearly the one and only? I mean, we just saw them go down on the road to a well, team that some people didn't have them in the field, but they're still Duke. It's Kay's final season. Paolo Bancaro, you know, Wendell, uh, Wendell Moore Jr. They're, they're very fantastic. They're a good team. They're 14 and three overall. And it just, it doesn't look like some of these programs, some of these teams are going to improve enough as much as you would need them to down the stretch. Well, here's just a quick question. So Duke, I'll tell you right now, they're a game and a half back in the ACC race. They're behind actually Miami, who's in first overall outright, who actually beat Duke in Cameron Indoor just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I just want to ask you, in terms of Duke and their ACC championship history, when was the last time they shared a title? And when was the last time they won the title outright in the regular season? Oh, boy. It's been a while, right? It's been a while. Which is strange. I know Virginia's had their run of dominance with Tony Bennett here. You got to give that guy a lot of credit. They win a lot of conference tournament titles, but not ACC regular season Has Rick Pitino had a conference title? Uh, Not in this conference, no. Not in the ACC? In the ACC, no. I don't believe they were in the ACC yet. All right, I'm going to go like at least five years since they shared for a title. So the last time they shared a title in the regular season was the 09-010 season. The, w- wait, the last time they shared? The last time they shared a regular season title championship. Was over a decade ago. Yes. Whoa! Wanna, wanna guess so the, the last out, time last they won outright. it outright was, it had to be right in that window of time. It was the... 09-08-07? It was the 05-06 Reddick year. Wow. Blowing my mind here. It's it's crazy to think. Blowing that my they, mind. They've won a, they've won a title in a year where they didn't do it with Okafor and whatnot. Shit. Yeah, it's been that long. Duke. Well, no one get this K out of here. <laughs> what the hell are we doing with but this he, guy? But he dominates the conference tournament. I don't understand it. <laughs> it just it's for some reason when they lose games, they really just lose them in conference play. When was the last time they won a tournament? Conference tournament? Uh, okay, they've won those. Yeah, recently, they've won those. Recently, within the last year or so, right? They won in 17 and 19. Okay, yeah. 17 and 19, they won their conference tournament. They won it in 11 as well. They won it in 09, right before they they shared for the, the conference championship in 2009-2010. Wow, man. That's, it's, it's hard to believe. They've won. You know, you win that national championship in 2015, that kind of gets people off your back, right? You get the fifth national <laughs> he, championship, and you've won them all in your program's history. That does some things. He wins the ones that matters, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe you're okay. Maybe you're all right. No, but going back to the ACC, so yeah, like I said, Miami's number one right now. They're 14-4 and four overall, 6-1 and one in ACC play. Still only 65th in the net. Uh, they, their losses are 16 points to Dayton. Uh, they lost by 32 to Bama, one point at Florida State, and then six points at home to Central Florida. Yikes. Yeah, <sighs> not very good, but they have a really good score of guards. They, they have, beat Penn State on the road. They did. And again, like if I'm looking at them being 14 and four and we go back to to Texas that we were debating about, and then you actually pull up what Texas's schedule and their wins are, 
how are they all that different? Like, what what's the deal? But how you is know, Miami? Good losses, how is right? Miami a nine seed in that situation? That's a whole. The, the, they're trying to say three di- or three seed lines. That's the difference yeah, between Texas I'm, and Miami. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And this is the thing, especially with bracketology. We we talk about it a lot, but it really, it's all just speculation at this rate because there really is no difference between those two teams. But yet they're projecting them to be three seed lines different come March. That's really the only way I can put it. Man, the ACC used to be such a proud conference. <laughs> Trying to get four teams to the big dance. Which is starting to sound like a struggle. I mean, unless unless at the top of this conference really starts to take over. <laughs> the num- number one team in the league is a 10 seed. Uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, mean, they got really good uh, guards. So they got Cam Augusti, who uh, averages about 18.1 points per game. Isaiah Wong's been there for a little bit, 16.4. And then a the guy you might know a little bit, he spent one year at KU. It's Charlie Moore, the journeyman himself. Uh, he spent a year at Kansas, a year at Cal. He spent two at DePaul, and now one year at Miami. Are you kidding me? I am 100% serious. Four? A very good de- four? Very good little point guard at de- uh, DePaul. That's just, I mean, come on. What are, I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> and he's one of their best players. He's very good. Yeah. He, had, he had 18 points in that game against Duke. Yeah, he's uh, the a couple third weeks leading ago. scorer, but it's like, man, don't you. Do you enjoy that? Like picking up and I guess some people like to travel, right? Some people like to see the country, experience some different things. Hey, you're super. You only se- live once, right? You're, you're super senior year. I mean, I, I wouldn't hate it if I was spending it in Coral Gables. All right. So the ACC is complete hot trash is what we have learned here. But UNC fans are Florida upset. St- Florida State by, might be working their way back. Oh, up. that's a Leonard Hamilton team. Yes. You know how I feel about Leonard Hamilton. He's one of my favorite coaches. Well, let's, let's get them into the freaking field. I mean, my goodness, they've 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 beaten Duke now. Problem is though, speaking, is speaking you're, of you're this t- you're this far into the season and you're a disrespected conference and the prognosticators have you as a four tournament league. How are you going to get better? You need to start go making those deals like we have the bracket busters. How funny will it be to see the ACC trying to get in on the bracket busters? <laughs> So we can get some high net ranking games under our belts. You've got what? late February, early March. Let's play. We'll play anybody. Come Wait, on. Wake Forest versus Furman. Let's do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Florida State versus Davidson. Let's oh go. Oh my gosh. Let's go. Speaking of Florida teams, and this is completely off topic, real quick, but I, I was. I, I don't know the net ranking for Florida, but they did beat Florida State by sixteen. But man. That's another team. I don't know if Lunardi's got them as like a last four in type of team, but they have struggled. And Mike White's job there is on the line. All right. Thank you very much for that. Evil bald Colin. We will do Big 12 next week. On the ACC. Going to get him uh, to talk about this Buckeye basketball team and what he sees. And I have selected a very nice group of classic press conference clips. And it's a wide variety. One of the guys is one of the most famous names in all of basketball, in all of sports. So I think you will enjoy that one. There's actually no F-bombs in it. I know, so that kind of takes away from I'm it. I'm trying but, to think of who it is. Yeah. Oh, I think you'll know. I think you'll know. So this will be a zero-second break to you. We're, we're going to collect our thoughts. We'll keep it rolling right here. It's Mad About Hoops. Tim, this basketball team for the Ohio State Buckeyes confuses me at times because they want to look like they're going to beat Duke on one night, and then the other night they want to play double or overtime with Nebraska. 
I can't get a full grasp of what this team is. All right, now I keep saying and saying and saying and saying that I want to be done talking about the pause, talking about the 22-day layoff because we're several games past it. But if you're going to bring up that Nebraska game, I have to go to that again. Which is fair. That was the first game back. And teams like last place teams like Nebraska do terrify me, especially when you have to go to their place. Now you'll you'll be expected to hold serve at home. That's the thing. It's That's like the next Big the Ten game up. Of, the bottom of this conference is not bad. Like I understand that that ranking and the Ken Palm ratings are always going to be bad if you're bad if you're in last. any conference. Yeah. But I mean, there's talent on that Nebraska team. The McGowans, Alonzo Verge, Derek Walker. There's so many guys on that team that contribute and that, that could honestly contribute on majority of the teams in this league. It's just someone's got to be bad and someone's got to be good. Yeah, so so what's your big problem with the Buckeyes? Are they just not as good as you thought they were? They're a top 20 no, team. I wouldn't say that. They're not healthy. And when you talk about core guys, they're missing a they true are. core they guy are. that they, Holtman was telling us that they kind of built things around just as suing. I mean, I know they have EJ Liddell, but a big part of what they were going to do because they lost their entire backcourt was going to center around Justice Suing and him having the ball in his hands a lot. Well, it's going to be a big part of your wing offense. You thought if you could get Malachi Branham with him as your two primary guys on the wing, it could make a huge difference for this team. And unfortunately, with him being out, that's had to put the experiment of seeing how many minutes you can give Justin Arns, even if he's not making the shots, to the test. And it really has not worked out in the most recent games. Uh, you and I both sat there for that game against Penn State, and it was just it was hard to watch. And I get it was bo- bad for both teams. Defense was very good in that game. I will say that. That's one of the things I've been really encouraged by in the recent games is how well their defense has been. But the shooting, maybe it's just a slump. I just don't know if I have a full grasp on, on this team yet on how good they are, especially because the conference schedule they haven't played or they played so far has not been as strong as maybe the other teams around them. Yeah, they did play Seton Hall. They won that game. That was a huge win. Very good. Of course, they beat Duke. We'll keep talking about that one. Not winning at Xavier. That would have been so good. That was a great opportunity because I I really do. By the way, we can maybe talk about them in depth more on another pod. I love their team. When we do Big East, they they have to be. They are a very good team. They've got a lot of chips, and they're going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. I would put some shekels on the Xavier Musketeers. Losing to Florida, that one hurt because uh, it was a buzzer beater. And you want that back. Florida is one of those examples of a team that you know is good. You know they've got stuff, but they're in a competitive SEC, and they're way down the list now in the SEC. But top 20, 12 and 4, you're 5 and 2, you're in the top 4 in a very competitive Big Ten. You're actually looking down at Purdue in the standings in the Big Ten Six games into it, which is shocking to think about because I thought Purdue was far and away the number one team in all of college basketball. I think I still might believe Purdue is the best team in college basketball with everything that they can throw at you and what they get from Stefanovic on a given night. But the Buckeyes, yeah, they got more to do. Like, I'm not I'm not firm in my belief of what they're ultimately going to be in the tournament now. I, I mean, think these these next couple of weeks are going to say, I've always said, I think they have a, a final four ceiling. If they can put it sure, all together, sure. fire on all the right cylinders, they can be that. They're not firing on all cylinders at the moment. No. No, I would say shooting below 40% against uh, Penn State is probably not no. firing on it. And they had a rough first half against IUPUI. Give the 1-14 Jags some credit for their energy and their intensity. I just I, I feel bad for a team that is losing that much. And they came out in the first half and they... They were trying to make things difficult for the Buckeyes, and they did. They shot almost 47%, and 
yeah, you you had to you had to know that a big performance was coming in the second half, and the Buckeyes wound up winning that game by almost fifty. So it's all fine. Well, hopefully, and me personally, I love the shift, and I, I noticed it to start that second half against IUPUI was starting Eugene Brown and playing him more over mm-hmm. Justin Arns. I think what he brings to the table is quite honestly. For more of the minutes of the game, you're going to need more than what Arns is bringing with just his three point shot, especially when it's not falling. Uh, but all right, so what? So yeah, every Buckeye basketball fan has had an opinion about that now, <laughs> and I think I could finally tell from the press conference last night that Holtman's getting sick and tired of it, and I, I'm sure he is which as a coach. Is, which is understandable. The media keeps talking about a shooting slump, and he said that is the least of my concerns. The because least you know, of my concerns. You know he can make it. It's yeah. just it, it's it's just a, it's a bad slump he's in, and we we totally understand that, and it's going to change. But, I, I'm not discur- disregarding that. Yeah, it, as a coach though, you saw him go with Gene to start the second half. In that spot. He brings you a good three-point shot, too. He can get to the rim, and I, I think the way he plays defense is, especially with the shift and how well they've been playing defense recently, he's a key part of that. Coaching's all about not giving up on guys, but... No, yeah, you're right. Trying to light a fire under somebody's ass. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, Justin sits on the bench to start the second half against IUPUI, that doesn't have it to doesn't mean, mean all anything. that much. It doesn't. Kyle Young doesn't start for this team. Do you think that Holtman thinks less of him? what his role or what kind of component he is to this program and what he's been? Heck no. No. And fans can say whatever they want to say about Justin Ahrens, and they will continue to do so. And the basketball purist to me, yeah, like I, there's frustration when you're that good of a shooter and you're not making, you try to put yourself in his shoes, and when you played at whatever level, that ended for you. <laughs> Whether that was rec league, shooting at the Y, just yep. trying to be that guy, trying to be that outside threat for your pickup basketball team on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m., right? Whatever it is, you feel it. You feel the worst when your shot isn't falling. So I hope he gets it back, and he's going to have one of those games down the stretch that his shooting carries the team. Yeah, no, the one thing I'm questionable about with this team is, I again, I don't fully know what they are in conference yet. When you played half of your first eight games against Penn State and Nebraska, I don't know what answer I'm going to get when you haven't played the likes of Michigan, Purdue, Illinois. Uh, you have played Wisconsin twice, which I will give you. That game at home against Wisconsin was beautiful. If they can play like that every game, every fan in the world would be absolutely out of their minds happy. But it's the games we saw on the road at Indiana and at Wisconsin that give people pause. They just didn't look like they were fresh, ready to go off the start. And then they got behind and just you were chasing the game the entire time. That's what's going to get people really nervous because you have you have to pull out some type of wins of meeting on the road in the conference. You just have to. Super fun to watch EJ Liddell do his thing. It is, though. I'll tell you it that, is. man. My goodness. Somebody asked me, would you take this year's EJ or second-year Jared Sullinger? Think about well, that for I mean, a second. Sec- Second-team Sullinger did make it to the Final Four, so. You don't get to you don't get to know that yet. <laughs> you just know what EJ Liddell is doing. The num- Numbers-wise, it's pretty similar. I think Jared's scoring dipped to like 17 points something mm-hmm. per game. Which I don't know where and EJ's the rebound, is at, but it's, it has dipped a well, little e- bit. EJ was up around 20. He kind of had been fluctuating. He had that 34-point outburst. That's, that's right. He only had 13, so he probably dipped back to like 19 points something, and the rebounds are up above seven. But you think about his court vision, and EJ can give you some assists and the shot blocking. His versatility is it is the two-way player apart. you get. Yeah. yeah. 
think I almost would take this second. It's crazy to think about, right, with what a two-year player Jared I'm was. I'm probably taking – well, Especially it, after his freshman year, but – In this era of college basketball, that's it's also – it feels so much different in this era where you have to have that versatility. Yeah, I think I'd rather go with the guy that can get up and down the floor and he can hit the three. It almost, Jared could never give you a three. <laughs> it almost sounds sacrilegious to say it. I know. It, it, it is, is a it debate. Though? It's EJ's a debate. one of the great ones. He's a great Buckeye. Sully so, so won to, the national player of the year. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know. It, and EJ's it, not trending towards getting that because, I mean, shoot, you just look at the, the player of the year in this conference, and he's he's right in the mix. I want to I wanna be clear on that. I predicted he would be right in the mix and compete for that right. and also compete for national player of the year. I think he is. It's just it might be hard to win conference it's player, year, player of the year just in the Big Ten. Yeah, beating Johnny Davis and what Brad, Brad Davison are doing, it's, it's pretty difficult. Got a lot of basketball left. Yeah. I believe in him. He could still do this. All right, you ready to hear some? Let's do it. I can't wait to see what you cooked up. Press conference clips here. Yeah, I've been waiting for this the entire podcast. So I'll start you off with our buddy with Chris Holtman, and for the backstory, he had had some feathers ruffled with one Mark Turgeon, who is the coach of the Terps, and he's not there anymore. I, I just I don't know how how many people like Mark Turgeon. He just seems so surly and rough around the edges, and he wouldn't stop talking about Caleb Wesson. Former big man That's for the right. Buckeyes. That's right. There was a game that didn't go Maryland's way, and he just kept talking about how Caleb was allowed to bully guys left and right, just whining about calls, taking it to the press conference. It's like, don't do that. You want to bitch and moan about calls in your own time? That's fine. We're all going to do it. But then to keep talking about a Buckeye player, and everyone who watched Big Ten Hoops knew that Caleb Wesson didn't get calls. He never did because he was too big. He always got called for fouls, for bumping into guys, offensive fouls that weren't really offensive fouls. Guys would flop on him. You'd see that big load going down the floor, and you just assume that he barreled into someone. So Holtman started to like play, play the game a little bit that year. And after the the Wesson comments where Holtman defended him publicly, Turgeon was bitching about having to play at 9 p.m. And so there was some some back and forth going on, and we got word of a 9 o'clock tip for a Buckeye basketball game, and this is what Chris Holtman said about it. Obviously a later tip, 9 p.m. tip, which was great. Gave our guys a chance to kind of get in here and get a shoot around and uh, feel great about uh, uh, it being a 9 p.m. tip. What a guy. <laughs> Just really dig it in. Very passive aggressive with it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I guess they cleared I, it up later, but it. It, it was still funny in the moment. Yeah, nothing like being passive aggressive. It's one of the best traits, right? He's very good with that dispressors, man. And it doesn't even have to be about that. It can be just anything that's going on, what's being said about his team. Like he knows how to throw little things, little jabs in there against himself. Do you want the the feel good press conference clip that I selected? Do you want the funny uh, clap back at a snarky journalist one, or do you want maybe the most famous figure in all of I'm coaching? I'm pretty sure I know what the famous one is, so let's go with that. You want to go with that? All right. I'll start you off with a quick one. And damn it, as I just have to, I have to throw some bit of swearing in myself to make up for the lack of it in the clips here because, you know, 60% of this guy's verbiage was the F word and the S word. That's just how it worked. <laughs> but every clip I found of the most famous one was bleeped out and all it is is ass i'm saying it right now that's all it is but here's bobby knight and one of the most played clips that you're ever going to hear when my time on earth is gone 
and my activities here are past. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my There it is. He doesn't even speak the, Ingu- the oh, English. Yeah. Easy for me to say. He doesn't even speak English correctly. I want they bury me upside down. <laughs> I-, I want them to bury me upside down. Yeah, that's a very, very, I mean, it's completely overused in my opinion, the amount of people use that phrase in current day, but um, no, it's very on point for Mr. Knight. And you know what? Maybe that's my opinion that that's the most played. It's it's very prevalent on YouTube when you go and plug in Bobby Knight, but there's just so many. I mean, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of dirtier ones too, where you will see Bobby Knight just treating everybody. I mean, some people back in the day had this opinion that, Oh, good for Bobby for putting some of these dummies in their place. I get that you can get some questions where as the basketball expert and you're looking looking down at these guys, wondering how much they've played or what they know about it. And then I think that might be part of the problem where why why you would have to feel so entitled about a group of people who are just doing their jobs. Right. That's where I come from. And they're just trying to be the bridge between your program and the fans. They're trying to give you coverage. That's really all it is. Maybe, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole lot of things and there's a whole lot of stories that I don't know about the inner workings of that program and what it was like to be in the media covering him back in the 70s and the 80s. Times changed, viewpoints changed, but I really just don't think there was any era where it's okay to just talk to another professional, another guy who's working with a job, he's there to do a job, and you just say, F you, F this, F that, stupid F in question, you must be some kind of idiot, F you, get the F out of here, I'm not going to F and talk to you ever again. He kicked people out of press conferences wouldn't let him let him back in he just acted like an asshole to a lot of people which is really so, which did. is so funny that's disappointing but that's how he became who he was which is so funny because people i don't people really remember this about his time at least at Texas Tech but when he went there and he had the TV show on MTV and everything inside the program like he really opened up at least with media and whatnot at the end of his career and especially when he went down there to Texas Tech i i think that's just hilarious he just would you would have thought like with how big of a figure he was at Indiana that he wouldn't hate all the press the way that he did, you know, (laughs) winning all the championships, but I guess it just, you know, him being the way he was and just, how could you, how could you not know that doing the things that you did throughout your career wasn't going to grab some headlines and grab some attention? I mean, he really got pissed off about the the Steve Alford relationship thing too. (sighs) That took it to a new level. But here, let me uh, let me give you another example. It's kind of funny. This is almost comical. I don't know if people have heard this one, but this is in the 1993 NCAA tournament when Bobby Knight is being asked about former Indiana player Damon Bailey. If you guys remember him, he was a four-year guy. And what's interesting, I'll set this up, a guy's asking him about Damon Bailey's future, and Bailey would wind up increasing his scoring output from 10 points per game as a junior to 19 points per game in the year, the next year, which is what this reporter is asking about. And Bobby Knight just completely undressed him and everybody was eating it up at this press conference. Take a listen. If I could determine what the hell he's going to look like next year, that's just what I'm, I have no idea. I got to wait till next year to watch him play. I mean, I can't do that. You know, you would anticipate, wait, right? wait a minute, wait a minute. He's grabbing a glass right now and rubbing it like a genie in a bottle. That's what he's doing. I see. I see Bailey 
The image is fading. Just a second. Just a second. Coming back. Coming back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Images are tough to deal with sometimes. You got to get them in line. Yes, I see. I see Bailey being better. Do you see him being the playmaker for next year's team? <laughs> I mean, this is a damn cheap piece of crystal here. This isn't, this isn't expensive enough to answer all those questions. This thing. Wait a minute, there's something forming here. Forming. It says, what a question. The whole thing, man, is just... All of that. I think he just gets just a, surreal. He, he gets a joy out of just messing with. Oh, it's who he the was. Media. It's just who he was, and it wasn't just the media. I mean, you're talking about a cursing like a sailor, surly, agitated son of a gun. Just who he was to his core, and he just used press conferences and opportunities where the mic was in his face to just put down anybody. As many times as he could. If you get that, that was the kind of guy where you probably went over your questions again and again and again and again, right? And he still did what he did. Right. Yeah. Well, you try to make sure that you're asking something pertinent, something that had to do with the game. So you wouldn't be the guy that Bobby would stop and just make a fool of. And that guy's asking about Damon Bailey. And how about the question he asked where everyone just bursts in laughter? Just asked if the guy you think a guy's going to be a playmaker for you next year. Now, yeah, which maybe is a, which is a fair question. Maybe you don't ask that question after he's done the whole like genie in a bottle thing. That might be the time to stop. It's like I get it. You've gone on for like thirty seconds here, Bobby. I get it. Thank you. Ha ha. Very funny. So I'll leave Bobby there. I'll leave Bobby Knight there, and I will bring to you a guy named Ron Hunter. Ron Hunter. That Ron Hunter coached IUPUI. For a long period of time. Is that before he went to Georgia State? Yeah, before he went to Georgia State. Okay. And Paul Keels was telling me this just the other day on Buckeye Roundtable about a game where Ron Hunter coached barefoot, which was something that he did for a Samaritan's Feet program. He was I believe trying Ron to raise Hunter's awareness. An, I believe Ron Hunter's an Ohio guy. I think Ron Hunter is an Ohio guy as well. Yeah, where's he from originally? You looking at his profile? Yeah, there? I'm looking it up now. He's the head coach at Tulane. He was born in Dayton, Ohio. Dayton. He played played at Miami of Ohio. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, so uh, with when he coached that game against Oakland University barefoot back in 2008, he was benefiting something called Samaritan's Feet. It was a foundation that worked to provide hope and love to impoverished children around the world by washing their feet and giving them a new pair of shoes. So. He was uh, trying to collect 40,000 pairs of shoes. And uh, before tip-off for that game that he did barefoot, over 110,000 pairs had been donated. So he's a good guy. And I'll never forget this clip because you had Kevin Ware, who had that horrendous leg break for Louisville that, remem- that we remember. He transferred. He was on this Georgia State team. And wouldn't you know, it was a uh, win over Baylor. In the first round was their big moment 
And when they bowed out in the second round of the tournament, they played really, really well. Ron Hunter Jr. was also one of the best players on that team. This this coach also, he, he ruptured his Achilles celebrating yes. their conference tournament win that got them into the big dance. And he had to coach from a, a stool had wheels on it. Oh, it's so just going to wheel it around the fa- out it's there. The famous, uh, and he fell out of it when his son hit the shot. Yep, that's right. Oh, God. So here was him afterwards, the second round exit, just taking it all in. Told him not to be sad. Man, what a great week. Unbelievable week. There's nothing to be sad about, uh, especially for me. I'll be honest with you. Um, the greatest week of my life. Um, the greatest time I've ever had to be a father. Uh, doing this with Kevin Ware and the rest of this team. But, man, this is uh, – I, I don't want these guys to be sad, man. This is uh, – uh, we helped Georgia State out. Georgia State people know about Georgia State. We'll be back. You know, we're going to get some young guys. But uh, it's not even about that right now. I just uh, – uh, as a coach, best time of my life. But as a father. <laughs> I love this kid, man. Love you. <laughs> oh, coach. Questions. Okay, let's get to some questions for the players first, and we'll get to the coach here. You the have the guy. We'll go to you, next. you have the NCAA guy. The suit have to step in there. All right, there, coach. Let's. Uh, why don't we give him a second and take some questions for the players first? That is just. I'm just trying to imagine everything that just hit him oh, in yeah. that moment. It's it's a moment that lives on in the tournament's history. Like every montage you see, there's some clip of their little run in it with the Cinderella aspect of making it to the second round. It's it was such a great story when it happened. It was such a great game that first round game. Everybody was tuned in for that. Uh, yeah, I, I would say what he did it propelled him into a good job at Tulane, and now he's trying to make himself known in the American. Well, it's like you say that about that team. I probably could. You could think of any number of first round upsets, right? They happen every year. Like you'll get yeah, the mid you'll get the mid major and they'll go through and a lot of them go on to the sweet 16, but what you don't see is a head coach and a dad getting to go through that with his son and then have that kind of emotional breakdown. We know that Bryce Drew is playing for his dad, he was for Valpo, but I don't know or I've never seen any press conference footage of what Homer drew, how he sort of took that. Maybe he was just more buttoned up and didn't have, there's just something about tears. That's what it is. It's about that emotion. It's something about tears and the NCAA tournament where it just, it hit him. He's sitting up there. Son's right next to him. They had the experience of a lifetime and he just lost it. I can't, we almost had it last year with, uh, Wayne Tinkle out there with Oregon State missed it by one year because his son Tress was a four-year guard or a five-year guy for his uh, Oregon State teams. He was averaging like 20 points a game back then for him. No kidding. We almost got that, but no, it was just a year after he graduated. And he was playing for Oregon State. Yes, trusted. Trust, trust Trust Tinkle. His kid, yes. Wayne Tinkle. What a surprise run that was for the Oregon State Beavers. A a completely wild run because that was a team that was like a 500 team going into the conference tournament. Won all that, probably saved his job because I think they're only like a, a three win team this year. <laughs> right, because they weren't very good last year. Yes. Here they are. They didn't ride that momentum. So the last one, the last one before we wrap things up here, funny, snarky. You'll hear the the reporter, and this is a case I, I can only imagine 
how Bobby Knight would have ripped this guy's head off of his body and ate it like a candy if he gave him tone and attitude like this in a question. That's one thing where I will draw the line up. But if you just sit there and respectful and just say, hey, uh, what did you, uh, an interesting thing, I didn't think that, you know, I, I, you guys are a great rebounding team. What happened on the glass there? What were they able to do to be so successful in that margin? Not like this guy. What the heck happened? Rebounding. How do you not out-rebound? You, you listen for yourself. This is Taurine Prince. We're just mentioning Ron Hunter and that team. Same two-year stretch where Baylor goes out in the first round. A few years later, yeah, just last year, they would get their national championship. Scott Drew, he's done amazing things. Homer Drew, Bryce Drew, we just mentioned. Here's Taurine Prince responding to a, uh, a rude reporter. How does Baylor get out-rebounded by Yale? How's that happen? Are you directing that towards anyone? Gentleman who just talked about how he rebounded. He had the stat sheet. Tori. You said how do they yeah. have, they have more get, rebounds? You, you said he got out-rebounded. I was surprised. You did. 36-32. How so, does Yale out-rebound Baylor? Um, you go up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off, and then you grab it with two hands, and you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. So they got more of those. And we did. <laughs> good. You know what? That was good. So good. F that guy. Why does he have to ask the question like that? Snarky. Like you're, you're almost just rubbing in the loss at that point. Like you're, you're pointing out little things of what could have led to the loss. Of course it led to the loss. Why do you ask the question like that? He had to be from the Northeast, right? That guy sounded <laughs> Jersey must. or New York or something. That dude. No, that come was, on. Th- again, that was another great game. I enjoyed that. I actually picked Yale in my bracket, and I felt so good afterwards. But when I watched that presser, I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, but you know, for the longest time, you always felt bad for Scott or uh, Scott Drew because they kept on losing in the first round at Baylor, and you're like, when is he ever going to get over the hump? And sure enough, he finally did this past year. Well, I hope you enjoyed those. Sorry, I didn't throw in the uh, the Jim Calhoun one that you pointed out to me, or the get some facts and come back and see me from Jim Calhoun, which, which is the one that I remember. He's always a good one. Just a, he's, You get him in a wrong spot, he could be a hothead. Yeah, very prickly. Very prickly indeed. Well, Colin, I had so much fun talking basketball with you on this edition, man. Tim, I can't wait, man. We're at the second part of this January run. We'll be into February and conference tournaments are right around the corner. And once again, please uh, do tell your friends, your college basketball lovers that you know, that you uh, communicate with and, and talk basketball with. Tell them about this podcast Anywhere you get your audio, whether that's Apple, whether that's Google Pods, Spotify, just look it up, subscribe, give a little rating and review if you're listening and following on Apple. We sure would appreciate that. And we will see you guys next time for episode 58 of Mad About Hoops. Have a good one.